Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Hi, a bit of good news I want to share with you this week. Chain Reaction has been voted one of the best podcasts in supply chain by Feedspot. It's just great when talent's recognised. This is the weekly roundup, all things affecting supply chains this week. So here's what's going on in supply chains at present. Input costs of raw materials are rising in price, and that's because they're difficult to get hold of. There's delays in transportation. There are problems in factories in China with the COVID policy. And the war in Ukraine is disrupting some raw materials, such as cobalt, cadmium, lithium, and other materials. So we've got the input costs going up. Then we've got processing costs increased due to energy. That's gas, electricity. Uh, So that's rising. And then we've got labour costs that are rising too because there's pressure to increase wage costs because of the inflation in the economy. And the factory gate prices are rising as a consequence of those pressures. Now, lots of firms have, of course, absorbed considerable cost, and that will affect margins. So their margins will be hit. So that means they'll be less profitable. Less profit, of course, can mean less investment in the future. And so the impact of these various supply chain difficulties is having quite an impact on the cost-price relationship for goods and services. So that's it in a nutshell. And once it gets outside the factory gate, of course, you've got the transportation costs. And of course, they're hit by the fuel costs that have increased significantly over the past year. So as fuel costs go up, that adds to the cost of transporting those goods. And if they have to go any distance, then the cost will be greater. So bringing goods from China, for example, with the container box problem, not enough containers, high prices for those containers, not enough shipping capacity and high prices for shipping, then obviously there's quite a lot of cost push sending prices upwards from the supply side. Once it gets to the retail stores, retailers too have to make sure that they're achieving their margins so that they don't incur cost for selling the retail goods. They're trying to make a profit, but that profit's being squeezed. You may remember I reported on the crisis brought about by Russian oil and gas into Europe. And Russia this week has announced that it's no longer supplying gas to Poland and Bulgaria after those countries refused to pay for their supplies in rubles. Now, this is because of the Russian problem with the sanctions. They're unable to uh, trade in US dollars anymore or other currencies, euros, which uh, countries previously paid for the oil and gas with. It's in essence a form of retaliation and some people say it's blackmail, but I suppose it's a desperate measure. Russia, of course, does supply a lot of gas to different countries in Europe, um, particularly Germany. 
Gazprom said it won't restart these supplies to either Poland or Bulgaria until payments are made in rubles. Germany imported about 42.6 billion cubic metres of gas from Russia. Italy, 29.2 cubic metres, billions. Belarus, 18.8 billion. Belarus should be alright, of course. They're supporting the Russian invasion. Turkey, 16.2 billion cubic metres. Netherlands, 15.7. Poland only import about 9.6 billion cubic meters. China imports 9.2 billion cubic meters and Japan about 8.8. So there's quite a lot of uh, countries that rely for some of their supply on Russian gas and oil. Russia provides about 5% of the United Kingdom's gas supplies and the U- United States doesn't import any Russian gas. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens next. Poland has uh, large gas storage facilities and it has about 76% full at the moment and Bulgaria just 17%, so they're, they're more under pressure in Bulgaria, I suppose. But these supplies are needed to keep energy in the country, both for domestic reasons and, of course, to keep the industry moving. I think these fossil fuel pressures um, will certainly have to be realigned in the next few years and take this kind of threat away. Looking at oil production and millions of barrels of oil per day, the United States has upped its output recently, but in the US they produce about 16.5 million barrels of oil a day, Saudi Arabia about 11 million, the Russian Federation 10.7, Canada 5.1, Iraq 4.1, China 3.9, United Arab Emirates 3.2, Iran 3.1, Brazil 3, and Kuwait 2.7. So they're the biggest oil producers, according to Bloomberg. Now, just as I was closing out this story, it emerged that the European Union has sought a compromise and a workaround, and it's allowing some countries to go ahead and pay in rubles. So that's because of the pressure that they're under with these gas supplies. And some people think that's a a sellout. Well, you might have heard that the government's pushing back the introduction of the 1st of July border checks on food in the UK. And there were various border checks due in July and then a couple of others later in the year. Now, the ports have been working quite hard and they've invested heavily to put the technology and the systems in place and it's quite a bit of investment gone into this and they've recruited people to do the jobs to start on the 1st of July. But the government this week announced that they're not going to go ahead with these border checks and uh, that's put the industry, the port authorities, up in arms and they're threatening to sue the government. Well the government's in hot water over these border checks at the seaports and the lobby group or the pressure group that's coordinating a response, is threatening to take the UK government to court because they feel they've been pushed into a situation where they've installed these border checks hurriedly and they've gone through the expense of not just doing that but also recruiting staff to work at these border control centres. And now it's been put back possibly until 2023, but they fear that they may never come into play. So it remains to be seen what happens here. There are some interesting statistics this week just put out by the uh, 
Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, the SMMT, and about 100,000 fewer cars were built in the first three months of 2022 compared to last year when it was uh, about 306,000 in the same three-month period. Manufacturers, of course, have been struggling to get hold of parts, particularly semiconductors, computer chips, which are widely used on modern vehicles. There's a lot of computer chips in most cars these days. And of course there was the closure of the Honda plant at Swindon, which has also reduced the amount of cars produced in the UK. But the war in Ukraine is also having its impact, and that's particularly, you'll remember I mentioned in a previous uh, Chain Reaction podcast, that uh, they produce a lot of wiring, and uh, of course there's difficulty with that uh, supply. Car makers are also concerned about the rise in energy costs, which are pushing up that cost base, and that will have a, an ongoing impact. Energy prices still likely to rise. Car sales are also lower than expected, so a double-edged whammy for the car industry in the UK at the moment. Now, we often talk on the Chain Reaction podcast about the disruption being caused to Western markets and as a result of supply chains and supply chain holdups in China. But I want to turn this around this week and just look at the disruption that's being caused in China itself by the COVID-19 policy to uh, restrict. One of the top Huawei executives has commented on Shanghai's closure. Richard Yu Shangdong, who's head of Huawei Consumer and Auto Division, said in a WeChat post that it has severe consequences and massive losses for the whole industry. Huawei's been a leader of the China tech industry, and you might recall that the British government rejected Huawei as a partner in the 5G networks because of concerns it was too closely allied to the uh, Chinese regime, and they were worried, or there were concerns expressed, that this might open up the network to surveillance. But the truth of the matter is that the large tech company, which has been the central platform for Chinese tech for a long time, has said it's going to have heavy costs to both Asia and the global supply chain if uh, Beijing continues with the policy of strict lockdowns with the zero COVID policy. Economists have expressed concern about 40% of China's gross domestic product will be impacted by these lockdowns. Shanghai, Jiangxi and Jilin are key hubs for manufacturing for cars, electronics and semiconductors. And so any lockdown in that area has a big impact on those global supply chains. Some people have estimated that every month that China is locked down, it's costing about 35 billion US dollars. And of course, it puts additional supply chain pressure on all the ships moving cargo from Shanghai and other Chinese ports to the United States and Europe. Forecasts have lowered for China's GDP growth rate down 4% year on year and 5% in the second quarter of 2022. And I reported about uh, the problems with the Apple iPhone in last week's news roundup. Pegatron, which is a key iPhone maker, halted operations in two subsidiaries in Shanghai and nearby Kushan. This all adds more complexity and uncertainty to global supply chains. So if you're wondering when global supply chains will get back to normal, not any time soon is the answer. If these lockdowns continue, it's likely to be more damaging. In the rest of the world, COVID cases appear to be falling. 
Now, one of the consequences of the disruptions at Shanghai and other ports in China with the zero-tolerance COVID lockdowns is that obviously supply chains are increasing their length in terms of time, probably about double what they were just a few months back. And couple that with the war in Ukraine and also the impact coming from that source and then inflation, which is interlinked, of course, inflationary pressures pushing prices up. Does that mean we're likely to see a recession? Well, economists forecast that the United States may well go into recession sometime this year. And uh, the probability of that is currently about 0.25 or 25%. But if things get worse, it's likely to rise and that will go higher. And so there might be more recessionary pressure. And it won't just affect the United States. Of course, it will affect Europe as well. Because Europe has its gas problems, it also has inflation, it also gets its goods and services from many different countries, but a lot of goods come from China. And so taking all those things together, it's going to add a lot of pressure, not just to supply chains, but to the economy. Markets around the globe have fallen as a result of the lockdown in Shanghai and other cities in China. And the China Stock Exchange saw a 5% fall this week, which is the highest in the past two years. The DAX also had about 1.5% knocked off its price. And the FTSE 2 was down by about £40 billion on the news of the lockdowns in China. This represents a fall of about 1.9% of the FTSE. So quite quite an impact on the markets around the globe. And of course, because China factories are closing because of this policy, There's also a downturn in the demand for oil, and that's estimated to be responsible for the fall to $100 a barrel for oil. Now, I think it's not just the impact of China and the demand lowering there, although that's significant, but it's also that supply has increased over the past few weeks with uh, the United States agreeing to push more oil into the economy. Indonesia exports about half of all global palm oil, and Arlene represents 30 to 40% of its output. Now, there was news this week that Indonesia will halt exports of bulk and packaged palm Arlene, which is a liquid form of the staple ingredient for goods such as chocolate and lipstick. So that's going to impact those markets. It will also put further pressure on global vegetable oil markets, which have already been disrupted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So there's going to be pressure on the the, uh, cooking oil market, if you didn't already know. There's already some rationing taking place in supermarkets, only allowing people to take one or two bottles of different types of oils for cooking. And obviously the increased demand as a result of supply falling, with the olene disappearing, That will certainly put pressure on uh, prices, and so more inflation. There was a breaking story this week about Urban Airport, which is a British startup, and that's developing hubs for flying taxis. It's attracted investment of about £20 million in funding, but apparently they 
envisage these vertical takeoff taxis being introduced into service in the next few years. Interestingly, we don't hear a great deal about Amazon's drones for delivery, which were quite a hot topic a couple of years back, but I'm guessing they're rethinking that one at present, looking at developing this type of technology and trying an experiment to test it out. But quite often, the application might come somewhere else. It could be that these uh, taxis end up moving parcels about, not people. Now, we've already heard the head of the World Bank say that food prices around the globe could increase by as much as 37% during the next year. And food prices at supermarkets are also rising. They're roughly about 7% up on what they were this time last year. But they're expected before the end of the year to increase by around 10%. So that's a slight increase on what the forecasts were previously. And the reason for that, of course, is the unexpectedly high price of fuel and energy costs for gas, electricity and so on. And all of that is pushing up prices. So inflationary pressures are put, putting the cost of goods in your supermarket up. So if you're wondering why they're increasing, that's generally why. If, of course, we have any increased costs for shortages of commodities, such as the expected downturn in cereal production, given the Ukraine and Russia at war, and they supply 32%, then that's problematic too. Organisations will look to lower their supply chain costs by reconfiguring the supply chains, perhaps bringing in new suppliers that are more local, perhaps reducing the length of those supply chains, and that means lowering the transportation costs, and perhaps searching for new supply, given that existing supplies are under pressure. But that's not easy. That takes time to switch supplies and suppliers and to procure goods to reconfigure the cost of the supply chain. So you can't do it necessarily overnight. It takes a bit of time. Well, that's the roundup for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you've caught up with everything in the supply chain. Don't forget to tune in to the midweek edition. You can still catch last week's midweek edition, which is uh, quite an interesting episode that I'm sure you'll want to catch up on. It's about disruption. It's got an interesting story in there about uh, John Hughes, who was uh, a Welshman who set up the iron and steel industry in Donetsk. So you might want to catch up on that. It's quite an uplifting story. I'll see you next time in the midweek edition. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm Tony Hans. I'm signing off. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm back. You can't get rid of me that easily. I've just got one thing to say to you, um, which is if you like listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, can you tell your friends and colleagues and just uh, get them to come along and listen too? I'm sure they'll enjoy it.
Okay, see you next time. Bye for now. Have a great weekend. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.